This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host, Mo Stewart. I'm joined by James Martin and Ben Bokshak. And it's the end of the transfer window as we record this. And after a month in which Liverpool weren't going to do very much at all, it all kicked off over the weekend. Uh, Liverpool suddenly were very, very interested in deals and brought in one player and Luis Diaz very close to bringing in a second. And there were a couple out the door as well. So now that we have reached February and this long mooted January transfer window has officially closed, it feels like a good time to take a look back, take stock at the whole window and to work out exactly how well we did give FSG and the recruitment team a grade for how well we think that they've done and also look at what this might mean for the rest of our season and maybe what it might mean for potential deals in the summer. So we're going to be breaking down all of the players who have either come in or were going out, including some of the ones who were rumoured and didn't end up moving. We're going to be looking at the quality of the player when it comes to the incomings, the quality of the deal in terms of the price, the wages, the contract length, etc. How well the deal was conducted, or not in some cases, and whether Liverpool are in a stronger or weaker position because of this deal. So James, there's a lot to take in across this. FSG themselves, and by um, extension Michael Edwards and Julian Ward, have taken some stick over the course of this month, but they've had a lot to deal with. And, I mean, it seems like they've been doing it all through the last few days, but the reality is is that a lot of these machinations would have started long before that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, unless Julian Ward is just this new kind of maverick, devil-may-care transfer guru who's taken over. Yeah, Michael Edwards on his way out, and, you know, there's a new sheriff in town type vibes, um, and he's, yeah, he likes leaving it all to the last minute. But no, I mean, that, that's almost certainly not the case. I'm sure these things have been ticking along in the background for some time. Um, some interesting stuff that's emerged on. I mean, we'll go into the specifics of particular deals soon. But like with Diaz, apparently, they've been asked to keep to be kept informed of other clubs. Yeah. So, I mean, that was always going to be dependent on when other teams made a move for him as to when Liverpool came in. Uh, the one we're, we're all dying to talk about, Cavalio. I mean, no one no one knows exactly what happened there. But again, it looks like Fulham weren't necessarily playing ball until quite late on. And then it, obviously, of course, too late in the end. But yeah, I don't think really it's a stick we can use to beat Liverpool with, given that we just have no idea what's been going on behind the scenes, how long these moves have been in the pipeline. We can safely assume they haven't just woken up on the morning of deadline day and thought, yeah, Cavalio would be nice. Let's give that a go. Oh, no, we're out of time. Like, that's not how these things work. So, um, yeah, no, I'm not too, not too concerned. <laughs> so, transfers officially harder than downloading a pack online. Um, so, Ben, James mentioned Luis Diaz. He is the big plus of this window for Liverpool. So, let's go into it. Obviously, you look at it on the face of it, the fact that a guy who had a, a release clause of £67 million and we've got him for nearly half that if you, well, don't take into account the add-ons and stuff. And we've got him on a five-and-a-half-year contract at a time when he was clearly highly in demand. Surely this is a win-win all round from Liverpool here. Absolutely. I mean, just to sense that kind of Liverpool kind of hurt arrival as well in the process of doing so by... You know, Tottenham were 
Liverpool forced Tottenham to sign a player that may, they might not have been that keen later on in the window in Dejan Kulusevski, who's not been in great form either. Whereas Diaz, you'd imagine, would have significantly strengthened Tottenham. Mm-hmm. With, with Kulusevski, there's a bit of doubt about it. But yeah, on top of that, Liverpool themselves are a great player now, heading into an important part of the season with a cup final, Champions League games. You know, and, and and every game in the Premier League is a must win at this point if Liverpool are to compete in the titles. So I think um, ha- having a player of his quality in the squad, uh, he is a game winner, a match, someone who can change matches when he comes on. And obviously he will need time to adjust, but when he gets going, um, it, it will just be to Liverpool's advantage. He will need time to adjust, James. And it is really easy for us to get carried away about these things. But in the process of getting a little bit carried away about these things, we spoke on a show not long ago about Liverpool's realistic expectations for the season, considering as Ben mentioned, we're always still in all four competitions. Obviously, the league is the most difficult of them, but this addition of Diaz does strengthen our hand in pretty much all of these competitions, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's no fun if you can't get carried away. Of course, we can get carried away. Um, yeah, we're obviously going to win all of the competitions we're in now. Um, but no, of course, it, it can't hurt. You know, there's there's a depth question when competing on, on four fronts. There was a big question mark over Liverpool's depth. That's now potentially a slightly smaller question mark, given that that's another world-class attacker to add to the mix at a time where obviously we'll have Salah and Mane coming back from the African Cup of Nations. Cater's already back. Uh, with Guinea having gone out. So, yeah, we're, we're getting close to sort of full-strength Liverpool side at a key point in the season. Um, I think Thiago is supposed to be close to a comeback as well. So, yeah, all of these all of these big names back in the fray. And as you say, chucking Diaz into that mix as well. That I mean, it gives us a lot more options. You, I mean, now, now in the Carabao Cup, you wouldn't imagine there's going to be major rotation because you know it's a cup final i mean yeah. I, I think it's nice that klopp has come out and said kelleher will get the game it's his competition uh i respect that but in terms of outfield i think we'll essentially see him go full steam ahead but yeah looking at things like the fa cup there's still a, at least a couple of rounds where you could be looking at potentially favors favorable draws so where you know where the uh the lesser sides can get a run out and you know as, as long as the second team is improving that can only be a good thing and can only help us go through on all fronts as ben said the league now it's we've left ourselves with a lot to do it's, it's mm. essentially every game as he, as he points out is must win but yeah i mean even looking at things like having impact off the bench that's something diaz could bring now i agree there's going to be time to adapt but that doesn't necessarily mean you can't have an instant impact maybe as a substitute um I was just talking to Matt about it on our on our live stream over on Facebook, actually, which we're going to be doing every weekday now in the morning. So check that out. But um, but yeah, no, we were saying like that we you, you've seen it with Robertson, you've seen it with Fabinho. Sometimes Klopp does like to ease players in slowly. Liverpool have a very specific mm-hmm. system in place, and he likes them to learn that on the training ground. But if the quality is there, then which it clearly is, then you know he can influence games from the word go. Whether that's in a starting berth or off the bench. So exciting to see how he gets on. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think so. I think when you've got someone that 
talented and you can already see what they can do in other systems. And then you think about, as you say, that incubation period. By the time he's had a preseason, uh, the start of next season, he could literally be hitting the ground sprinting. So that's a fantastic one to think about. Someone who we will have to wait until someone to think about now is Fabio Carvalho because it went down to the wire. But Ben, as James mentioned previously, Fulham were um, maybe dragging their feet a little bit. They were absolutely adamant on getting a decent fee. Maybe they were burnt by what they saw as a low fee for Harvey Elliott from Liverpool the last time deals went to a compensation tribunal. But the situation is, is that once Liverpool did finally agree that fee, there was not enough time left in the window to put the loan arrangements through in the way that the EFL rules uh, demand. So Liverpool are left without a player who technically wouldn't have been arriving till the summer anyway. Do you feel that this is a missed opportunity or do you think Liverpool are still in a very strong position to complete this deal whenever it happens? I think, in a way, yes, it is a missed opportunity because you would have liked to have wrapped everything up and, you know not worry about the deal potentially falling through, whereas the next four months now other teams can negotiate with Cavallo and they're free to, you know, sign him on a pre-contract as well as Liverpool. Obviously, Liverpool, I think, still hold an advantage because Cavallo seemed keen yeah. on the move to Anfield and, uh, you know, the fact that they've agreed a fee with Fulham as well, so they wouldn't have to go to a tribunal potentially if uh, they do sign Caballo in the summer, I think all, all those things put Liverpool in a strong position. But there is always the danger that his head can turn and, and someone else can come in. And when you have the likes of Borussia Dortmund interested who can offer maybe more first-team opportunity or a clearer path into the first team, then mm. Liverpool, considering Liverpool's depth, uh, there is always a worry. That is the worry, really, isn't it, James? Is that that sweet spot of a player who is clearly ready for a bigger challenge, but they want to take on a bigger challenge, but still have enough game time for them to develop properly. As Ben mentioned, Russell Dortmund seems to be the market leader in being able to do this. So they're always going to be of interest to players around the silk. Now, Liverpool can't officially start getting involved with any kind of um, agreement, pre-contact agreement until a month before the end of his contract. So European clubs do have a two to three month advantage here. Liverpool, we don't know whether or not they were able to agree personal terms with Carvalho before the deal went through, but you would imagine wages, finances is one area where Liverpool may have an advantage over some of their European neighbours. You'd have thought so. Um, and even if even if that's not necessarily the case, Liverpool have had kind of a free hit at it in the sense that they were able to negotiate with him having agreed something with Fulham. So they've they've been given, you know, a couple of hours to talk to his representatives, if nothing else. So they've been able to lay out their case. Like you say, we don't know if personal terms are agreed, but no doubt Liverpool have, have been in touch with him by this point and, you know, made their representations. So that should hopefully help fend off any kind of advances from elsewhere like Ben says, there's always the possibility that his head will turn. But the fact is, Liverpool have been able to talk to the player, which had we not agreed the deal in principle with Fulham, we wouldn't have been able to do. So it's it's a slight advantage, but it is an advantage, which is potentially 
getting lost among the disappointment of not getting not quite getting the deal over the line. But um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned how Borussia Dortmund are kind of the market leader in that respect, and I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. But Liverpool have a couple of players they can point to in that regard as well. I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold, of course, the the shining example, but then Harvey Elliott is the most direct example, given that he's literally come from Fulham as well and looks very much on a trajectory to the first team. The injury set that back, but if anything, the next few months will just make things clearer to Fabio Cavallio when he sees the kind of journey that Harvey Elliott is expected to go on over that period of time. So, yeah, I, I still say I'm confident, but um, of course there's things that can go wrong and we'd all rather it had been got over the line. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen Liverpool deals in the past fall at the final hurdle, not mentioning any names. <laughs> um, so we're all a little bit antsy, but... Javier, it's a really interesting comparison here, Ben, because he's right. James is right. He is the perfect example of a player who's come in and maybe got opportunities earlier than he thought. But by the same token, he might actually be, end up being a direct rival for a place in the Liverpool starting lineup. So how much do you think he's going to take from that in terms of uh, uh, encouragement that he can get there? And how much does he think, well, I'm going to have to potentially battle with Harvey? And let's talk a little bit wider about this fella's actual quality, because we haven't really mentioned that so far. The reason why we have all a little bit nervous about him going out back into the world is that we were all very excited about the potential for him being in this team, weren't we? I mean, yeah, exactly. He's, he's a quality player. He, you can't argue with that. He's, he's been one of the best players in the championship. And especially among his peers, he's, he's by far the best talent in there. And, uh, you know, you saw Elliot make the same step up from the championship last season to Liverpool. So um, in that sense, I think he will be confident of uh, sort of impressing Klopp in pre-season if he does come and uh, catching his eyes and getting an opportunity. I think the advantage that he does have is that he can play in multiple roles. So he's not just someone who can play in a midfield free. He can also play on the wing, on either side of the wings and uh, potentially even as a force nine. So he, he is someone who is versatile enough to play in a number of roles. And, and that, I think that will help a young player because at Liverpool, he might not have a set position to begin with. He won't be first choice, but if he can fill in a couple of gaps and uh, come in in, in a number of positions, then, you know, uh, there's every chance that he will play a lot of games still and a lot of minutes. And not to mention, you know, uh, Harvey Elliott might be in his position, but a couple of others might leave in the summer as well. Uh, Obviously, Milner looks certain to leave. There's questions over Oxlade-Chamberlain, Naby Keita potentially with a year left on their contracts. So I think um, he'll look at that and he'll he'll, he'll, he'll he'll back himself. You know, he, he is a talented player. Yes, he looks yes. confident on the pitch and I think he'll back himself to succeed wherever he goes. Hopefully that's the case and hopefully where he comes is Liverpool. You know, it makes sense for him. Okay, so let's look at the other end of the scale, the exit door. Uh, now staying within the championship, uh, Nat Phillips has gone from the San Siro to Bournemouth uh, on a, what has turned out to be a six-month loan deal. Now, I'll come back to you first on this one, Ben. The club were adamant at the start of the window that they did not want to loan out Nat Phillips. They were looking for a permanent transfer only. 
But in the end, they've had to relent. Um, it's no point really him kicking around the club, potentially reducing his value further by not playing. So although it's not an ideal situation for Liverpool, it's a still a deal that ultimately makes sense, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you know, if they weren't getting the offers that they wanted in January, uh, if he were to stay at Liverpool for another six months, surely his value would only depreciate even more. So, and they'd get even lower offers. So with this, there's an opportunity that he can sort of build his career up again and show what, show the quality that maybe his the other people who are interested in him have forgotten. And, uh, you know, uh, Bournemouth have a good chance of gaining promotion as well. So with promotion comes obviously a lot of money. And uh, if if he does well there, then you know Liverpool have done plenty of good business at Bournemouth in the past in terms of player departures. So I'm sure there's an opportunity to to make money there again. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all thank Dominic Solanke for the fact that Bournemouth decided to do business with us at all ever again, because otherwise it was looking like a very one-sided situation up to that point. Now, James, um, Ben mentioned the fact that um, there wasn't really much a chance for Nat to show what he can do, and it seems like a lot of people have forgotten what he can do. I mean, I've been kind of frustrated as a Liverpool fan, and it's a strange situation because you should... Sometimes when uh, the outside world undervalues our players, it's because we know that they're good and they've been doing a good job for us. But in this essence, this is a player we're trying to get rid of. You do kind of still feel for him a little bit when you look at Newcastle maybe turning down their nose and going for Dan Burnham. West Ham not really making their interest concrete. You're thinking, he's definitely good enough for you guys. Why aren't you buying him? Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is the asking price. Um, I do understand the selling, like, I, I understand both perspectives, really. I mean, if you look at the clubs who are in the market for a centre-back, you see Liverpool slapping supposedly a 15 million price tag on the head of this player who, he was so good last season, not, not doubting that in any way. But if you look, even including his time at Stuttgart, who, of course, were in the second tier in Germany at the time, mm. he still played fewer than 50 senior games in his career um, at the age of, what, 24 now. Um, so th- there is a limited sample size to go off. So that, in terms of the recruitment teams looking at that next to the 15 million asking price, they are going to say, okay, that's a big risk. Maybe, maybe we explore other routes if Liverpool aren't going to come down on that asking price. Equally, Liverpool are the ones seeing him day in there in training. They know how good he is, and I'm sure they feel the 15 million tag is more than warranted. Hopefully, he proves that at Bournemouth does really well. Like Ben says, get them promoted and then, you know, they're, they're going to want to spend their, their newfound Premier League millions, hopefully on Nat Phillips and hopefully somewhere a bit closer to that 15 million that Liverpool were looking for. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think that's probably the best case scenario for all involved, really. And I think it's a shame... For, for Phillips in some respects, because obviously, like I say, we'd have hoped that he'd be at a higher level already, but he can do everything to get himself to that higher level with Bournemouth, and hopefully that will be the case. Now, another one who has moved out on loan uh, to a club who we've already mentioned in this show, Fulham, uh, Nico Williams. Now, this is a different, slight, slightly different scenario with Nico, Ben. I still believe that the club are willing and probably open to keeping Williams long-term. This is more a case of the player himself 
not really believing he's going to get enough minutes to develop in the way that he wants to. Obviously, he's already a full international. He was in the squad and played at the Euros. They've got the World Cup playoffs to come, which if they succeed in, will obviously mean that they get to go to the World Cup. He's looking to cement him place in that side. And it really sounds like he's getting messages from his international manager to say that he needs to move on. So the fact that Liverpool have done this deal for a six-month loan with no obligation to buy at the end of it kind of feels like the best of all worlds at the moment. Yeah, it's a tricky one with Williams because ideally you'd like to keep him in the squad. There's not enough depth at right back, not enough cover without him really. Milner hasn't looked great this season when he has filled in for Alexander-Arnold. You have Bradley. I'm not really sure. Conor Bradley, I'm not really sure if he is ready for a more regular role at first team level. And then Joe Gomez, who can play there, and but but does he bring the same quality in, in his attacking play when he, he, he is involved in the right-back spot? I'm not quite sure. Um, so ideally, you'd like to keep Neko Williams in there because he is someone who is quite solid defensively, but decent going forward as well. So he's probably the most similar to someone of Trent's quality in the squad or, or, or someone who plays like Trent at least. But at the same time, he is uh, getting to that age where he needs regular minutes and more experience to improve potentially. And uh, at the moment, it, it, he's not going to get that Liverpool, let's be honest. Uh, Trent's injury record touching with is, is pretty decent, you know. And um, it, it doesn't look like... You know, no one's going to ask Trent Liverpool's probably Liverpool's best player this season from the squad. You know, barring Mohamed Salah. I mean, there's a few candidates for best player. Trent, Trent, Trent is up there for sure. And uh, yeah, so so it's a difficult one with Williams. You you want to keep him in there, but I think in the end for for his career. Uh, the best case scenario is to get some experience in the championship. He's going to Fulham where I think their first choice right back, Kenny Tete, is out injured at the moment with a groin injury. So it looks like he'll he'll get a lot of minutes initially to impress. And, and, and if he does well, then that's also... If Liverpool decide to get rid of him in the summer, then um, he'll, he'll, he'll have added to his value as well. Mm, that is true. Um it just feels like a shame for me, James, because last season, Nico, when he came in, he did not look like he was ready and he did take a lot of stick at times, at a time when Liverpool were really not themselves across the board. And this season, he really looks like he's taken a leap forward. He's been really consistent in his performances, I think. And he was really starting to kind of, it was starting to click in his head what it means to play as a Liverpool player. And I have as much faith in Liverpool's backup right-back options as Ben has, i.e. not a lot. So the scenario where Nico goes, and as Ben mentioned, they've sold Dennis Adoy and Kenny Tete is injured, so he's going to play for Fulham. Fulham are top of the league at the moment and doing very well. He might get into a nice little rhythm with Alexander Mitrovic, start assisting him lots of goals. They come into the Premier League. Suddenly it feels like Fulham want to keep hold of him. In that scenario, what kind of fee do we think we're going to be talking about to get if Fulham wants to really take him off of our hands? Well, I mean, this is where 
it's it's not a shame in the sense that you know it's, his value is going to be a lot more if he's proven his value to Fulham in particular over the next few months. Like you say, if he if he gets that partnership going with Mitrovic, his landing crosses on his head, left, right, and centre. Well, mostly just right, but you know, uh, <laughs> um, then then yeah, they're they're going to pay decent money to. To keep him, I, I mean, you put me on the spot in terms of an actual fee to put on his head. Maybe, maybe if you if you're looking at sort of ten, you'd be happy. Ten million. Um, mm. Who knows how realistic that is? But Liverpool, you know, they drive a hard bargain over their players because they know their worth. And as you say, Williams is valuable to Liverpool squad. There's not a huge degree of depth at right back, but equally, I'd, I'd be more than happy with a sale. And that's not a comment on Williams. It's just a comment on Alexander Arnold. Because whoever the right back is going to, whoever the backup right back is, will always be the backup right back. Because Trent has the position locked down for a decade, so the only the only way you can do it is is bring through young players, allow them to, like you say, develop. As you say, Williams has come on a lot. He looks a lot better than he did even eighteen months ago. Um, mm. And then once they want to move on for game time, if a reasonable bid comes in, you grant that wish. The next youngster's up. I really like the look of Connor Bradley. I, I mean. I accept, yeah, maybe he's not necessarily ready, but, you know, what is ready, given that you're not going to be playing that many games anyway? I mean, are you ready to play the old cup game and, you know, deputise in the in an emergency? I, I think he probably is, uh, if it comes to it. Hopefully it doesn't come to it with, with Alexander-Arnold. But, yeah, that's as long as a reasonable fee can be agreed, I think that's the only way Liverpool can manage their right-back situation yeah. unless they can find the magic Costas Simakas tree and find the right-back. So, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm sure that tree does exist out there somewhere. Whether or not it's back in Greece, I don't know. But it is interesting, like you say, the whole idea of the fact that because we've got such a guy who's locked into that position for such a long time, it probably will be a rotating cast behind them. But please, not too much Milner or Gomez. Not my heart can't take it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Now, finally, we're going to talk about a couple of people who <clears throat> probably aren't going to get a lot of games between now and the end of the season either, but two players who Liverpool made it clear they would entertain offers for. That's Takumi Minamino and Divock Origi. Um, I've grouped them here together, Ben. Um, do you think that that's a fair assessment of how Liverpool are seeing them? Or do you think that maybe they are more reluctant to get rid of one than the other? Potentially, I feel like at the moment, Minamino may well be able to demand a slightly higher fee, but Liverpool are already in credit because they got him for such a cheap price. £7.5 million is all it costs. Um, He hasn't really been able to make a go of his Liverpool career. But outside of the domestic cups, and there are still a few games, do you see either of these two making any more appearances? I mean, it's a difficult one. I, uh, if an unfore- unforeseen injury crisis happens, then obviously it is. I'm touching wood again. I'm touching wood every time you start yeah. talking. <laughs> <laughs> touching wood. Touching wood. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But um, yeah, unless that happens, I, I can't see them being involved an awful lot. But it's also not bad to have someone like Origi with his pedigree of scoring late goals while Liverpool are competing on all four fronts. And again, with Minamino, he's, you know, he, he was never going to be a player who will challenge Mane and Salah or Firmino for those front three roles. But 
when he has come on, his goal per 90 average, his goal contributions per 90 average has not been bad at Liverpool. I think it's around 0. 0.59 uh, for his whole Liverpool career, which is not a bad return. And then this season, he's averaging 0. 0.86 goal contributions per 90, which is, again, pretty pretty good stats for a player of his ilk. Um, he has, I think, six goals in all competitions. Um, it's, it's, it's decent numbers for a backup and if Liverpool want to do well in the FA Cup as well potentially you, you could see him getting a few games there Origi as well depending on when he comes back from injury but when you say like I think in terms of of getting value for money uh, Minamino is definitely worth a lot more to Liverpool just because he his contract is longer and uh, He's slightly younger than Origi. Um, I think that they might actually be the same age, but not mm -hmm. quite sure in that. <laughs> no one knows how old Origi yeah. really is. He's yeah. just outside of all normal space. Yeah. But, but the point is, he, he, his contract is is for a longer term than Origi. With, with Origi, his contract could potentially be running out in the summer. Um, so... With that in mind, I, I don't think Liverpool were expecting big bids for him anyway in the January window. And, and I think a lot of clubs are who, who might have been interested in Origi are holding out for the summer and uh, seeing um, how many league appearances he makes so that Liverpool could potentially extend his contract for another year. But that that's a matter for the summer. And, and, and for now, I think... With uh, the squad in a strong place, um, having them to around is is a bonus to Liverpool. It is a bonus. I still think that if it is to be Divock's farewell tour, he's got one more magic moment in him. I don't know when it's coming, but I feel it coming. So before we sign off for this show, James, Ben, I'm going to ask you both to give the recruitment team, that includes FSG, Michael Edwards and Julian Ward, whoever you want to divvy as much credit to as who, because we didn't go into that today. I want you to give them an overall grade for this January window, ins, outs, where we look now and how we look set for the future. James, I'll start with you. Well, I don't know what grading system we're using anymore. They've changed it, haven't they? It's all one to nine now. Oh, <laughs> we're old school here, James. If, that, if this didn't give that away enough, we're old school here. It's an A to E grade. Don't worry. I, I also was raised on A to E. I don't know how the numbers work. So, uh, <laughs> you're all right. Um, yeah, I think I think probably like a B. Um, it, it, went, it went better than we were expecting in the sense that we were expecting essentially nothing. Um, I think probably the outgoings... Uh, a little bit underwhelming in the sense that Phillips could maybe have got a higher level loan or been sold. No one really wanted him to be loaned anyway. Williams, like you say, if we're not cashing in, is it really worth letting him leave the club? But, you know, again, you can see the merits of it. it it's one of them where they're all understandable, but none of them are necessarily that exciting. But then on the flip side of that, you've got the incomings where Lewis Diaz out of nowhere, stolen him right from under Tottenham's nose. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, Canadio disappointing, but we put in a lot of the groundwork, which hopefully pays dividends somewhere down the line. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with how it's gone. Fair. Ben, what are you saying? I think I'm going to go for a B as well. Um, you know, Diaz was a great signing. Uh, so, that, and if Liverpool could have got Cavalier done over the line, uh, I think it, it, it might have been an A, um, even with the outgoings. But I think. 
just just because Liverpool left it a bit late, too late to get the Caballo deal done, uh, it has to be a B for me. It was a bit disappointing to not get that over the line, and uh, and it leaves Liverpool still with a bit of an advantage, but also with a, an anxious few months uh, over Caballo anyway. In terms of outgoings as well, yeah, it would be nice to see a couple of players go on a permanent deal and and get some money, but I'm still confident Liverpool will have that lined up over the summer. Um, And um, yeah, it it would have been, again, it would have been an A if uh, there was a new contract for Salah as well in January, but I'm hoping that gets sorted uh, within the next few months now that they don't have to concentrate as much on transfers anymore. Yes, a very, very interesting point, Ben. And for all of you listening out there, FSG, get it done. I don't know how many times I can say this. Um, for my money, I'm giving them a B plus. I think the DS deal alone is good enough for that. I'm also quite confident about Fabio Carvalho. But we shall see. The summer will bring its own riches, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be plenty more transfer talk over the course of that time as well. James, Ben, it's been fun to analyse the hell out of this January six months until the next window starts. Everybody out there, let us know how you think this window's gone. Give us your own FSG grade. Until next week, we'll see you again. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.